hey guys. So, welcome to another week of uh, Property Rants, UK Property Rants. So, we've already got a couple of guys online, which is great, and we've got the comments up now, so we can actually, um, any comments you've got, send them through, and we're happy to uh, answer them. Obviously, yeah, the more questions, the better, and that, of course, there's lots of uh, topics and things to be covered right now, lots of things to discuss. So, yeah, um, tonight, joined by, or today, I should say, middle of the day for... Well, it's the middle of, it's actually 10.30 at night. I'm in Australia right now um, for the well, for Christmas. And then, um, yeah, so you guys are obviously in London, or London and Lincoln with Chris. So we've got Ritesh, and we've got Hamansu, and we've got uh, Chris joining us this week. So Chris is our, um, he is heads up our lettings up in Lincoln, um, the department up there, so he can talk anything about um, property in terms of lettings. So we can, uh, yeah, we might as well get started. Right, guys, so what are we going to talk about today? Lots to talk about. Should we, um, what do you reckon? Should we start off with the news that just come out, which is the, um, the lovely uh, inflation stuff that's going on? And uh, oh, look at that. I just realised that I've, we've got, it's not, um, not showing on the screen, is it? I need to move it over a little bit. There we go. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the inflations have come out. The, uh, you know, largest or largest inflation in 41 year, which is pretty full on. You know, we're at 11.1% now um, for the year today. Now, that's that's over the entire year. Um, so, actually, so what's this? So, we've already got a question, which is great. So, Skazza says, why have the house prices not reflecting the rate rises yet, and when will they? <laughs> so, good. And I think um, the answer to that, actually, is pretty simple. It's... It's always, there's always a delay. So, you know, there's a stimulus and there's a response. And I think, you know, that's what we're seeing right now. And, and this is with everything. Do I, I, I think we've got a number of different things and we can talk through each of the reasons why I think, you know, look, you can read here and, you know, talk about, you know, the war in Ukraine, which I don't believe. I don't play, you know, I don't believe that game. Um, but, you know, rising energy bills will take effect. Obviously, the rising, everything is rising. You know, I think I think we've all seen that across the board in all of our bills that they're all rising now. And I think where where are we? Let me move back here. And um, you know, I think prices have definitely gone up. You know, eleven point one percent over a year. It was the same ten point one percent in that particular thing. But actually, if you go on onto the uh, government figures, the ONS, the Office of National Statistics, they uh, say uh, that it was in a nine point one. I think it was so. It depends which stats you're reading, but we all know that house price, or we know, all know that inflation is hitting us and going up, and it's probably going to be around for a little while longer. Um, because obviously, it doesn't, you know, whenever you make a decision, it doesn't fix it immediately. All right, there is a delay. So, yeah. Um, any thoughts on inflation? How are you guys? Because you're actually living in the UK right now. You're, so you're seeing prices going up. You know, I know, I'm sure you guys don't do the shopping, but, um, or do you? <laughs> And, uh, well, I do, mate. Do you? I don't. So, yeah, I don't really see it on a day-to-day basis. What about you guys? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, like, like you said, you, you do notice it very much on things like shopping, which, which I've, I've taken total control over to make sure anything that's not required is chucked straight out of the trolley. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to make sure that all my requirements are, you know, the beers and that are, are in. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, look, yeah, everyone... Yeah. You know, we're all feeling uh, the fact that uh, 
inflation and the, the money that we're using on a weekly basis is not going as far as it used to. Um, I don't think it's massive. Well, to me, it's not like I've been shocked by it because it's been coming. Okay, yeah. the, the, the talk, you know, about it has not. It's been going on for months and months and months. Yeah. So unless someone was just putting their head in the sand, you know, of the position, you know, it, it, it's been coming. So not shocked by it. Uh, but I would like to go to that question. Um, Put in here by Scars regarding why are house prices not reflecting the rate rises yet, and well, when will they? But yeah. I'm assuming um, what you see here is that rate rises, uh, rates have gone up, but house prices have massively come down. Is is what I'm yeah. taking from this? Yeah, that's how I'm reading it too. Yeah, cool. So look, my thoughts on that, you know, are, are very much lag effect, of course. So. Anything that's done today, the effects of it, you feel a little bit further down the line. But going in a little bit deeper is, I think if everyone's sitting there and thinking the housing market, you know, all across the UK is just going to crash and, and fall off the face of the earth like some of the headlines would have you believe, you know. Um, so, you know, It's all right. <laughs> I left some out. There we go. <laughs> It's gone on the wrong bloody... Sorry, guys, my technical expertise is uh, failing me. Hold on. Here we go. Sorry, keep talking. Yeah, so, you know, you're obviously going to have those big headlines of house prices going to drop by 20 30%, you know, ridiculous figures, which, you know, we, we're used to seeing whenever there's something major happening, whether it was... Brexit, tax changes, COVID, you know, and we all saw how house prices were meant to fall off the cliff in the UK, but none of it actually happened. So you've got to be very careful to obviously distinguish what actually is really going to happen and stay away from the scaremongering of the, the headlines. Mm. And what I think will happen is, look, I think there will be a correction for sure, you know, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. There will be a correction, but I don't think it will be a correction across the whole board, as in not yeah. the whole of the UK. I think it's yeah. going to very much come down to you know, micro markets, where yeah. some areas will actually come out of it pretty well. Yeah, where yeah. there'll be next to nothing, if any correction. Uh, some areas will fall off. Will fall off the face yeah. a little bit. Okay, uh, but you'll actually find some areas, and this might sound like really will steadily keep moving. I'm not saying it's going to shoot up massively, it will steadily keep moving. And, and that's what, so you've just got to get very, um, I suppose, local. You've got, to, you've got to decide, okay, if I am going to invest in this market and take advantage of the opportunity, which no doubt will come along, then I'm going to take it, but I'm just going to make sure I'm sticking to very specific areas. Yeah, and I think we, we saw this in the last recession. Um, Everyone said, oh, you know, house prices are going to drop 30% and I'm not going to buy now, I'm not going to do this. And the challenge is that you face is that if you wait, if you're trying to buy in crappy areas, yeah, without the fundamentals and that sort of thing, then fine, wait around until it drops and it probably will. But as we saw with London last recession was, yes, it come down, but within six months, in fact, it was more like three months, it was back up again, you know. And so a lot of people were like, oh, oh, um, I missed the boat. And then, of course, the old procrastinator, oh, you know, it's too expensive now for me to get in. And the thing is, then they had, you know, six, seven years of it's too expensive. And, of course, now we've been sitting around with London 
sitting around not doing a lot for the you know through Brexit and through um, you know tax changes and through COVID, and of course. Now I think we're ready to see London come back because, you know, there is a lot of demand for it. There's a lot of money getting spent. So I think we've got to be, and I agree with you, we've got to get local. We've got to look at what areas we're actually investing in or wanting to invest in because that actually determines whether you want to wait around or whether you want to start, you know, getting involved now because developers' expectations and, you know, um, sellers' expectations have started to drop. They're becoming more realistic pricing already even though we've only just started to see it in the stats. And, and of course, this month we're, we're hearing about how demand and asking prices has dropped. Well, that's the prequel to property prices dropping. So, you know, to come back to the, the question there. But, yeah, I, I guess, you know, with property prices, you know, you don't know how far they're going to go down. But the interesting thing is with the whole with that whole game is that what we have started to see is now – where we're, we're getting back and we're actually having, um, wait, there is it, this one's, yeah, you know, one of the largest chains today, 5% fall in London prices next year, but said the capital would avoid, you know, a big crash. You know, um, major banks upbeat about the UK house price growth despite rising rates, you know. So you're seeing a lot of this now where we're starting to get back into, it's almost like the doomsayers, and I don't think we, we, we haven't seen house price drops yet, really. Even though there is some reports and things like that that are saying it is, we haven't really seen them anywhere near where they're going to be. In some areas, I think they will get hammered because they haven't got fundamentals, you know. And actually, to be fair, a lot of those places, you know, we've uh, allegedly we've seen 15% house growth or 11% house growth or whatever, but those places haven't seen that. They've remained dead still. You know, not done anything. But yeah, what about you, Hema? Is there any thoughts on the house pricing gonna, side? Yeah, I was just going to say. I mean, look, obviously, you, you speak to developers all the time, right? Um, what, what's the sentiment from developers? Are they going to suddenly now start dropping their prices, or is it a case of no? We know we're going to build to this spec. We know what kind of margins we we need to make to make this profitable for ourselves. We're not willing to um, take a hit on that. What, what's what are you finding when you're speaking to developers? <clears throat> Well, you would imagine, you would imagine my, my job when it comes to sourcing should have just become a lot easier. <laughs> where yeah. I'm getting developers that are saying, yeah, here's a double digit discounts and take it off our hands. <laughs> the reality is, nah, it, it, it's not, it's not there right now. Um, uh, cause the majority of the developers that we deal with and that I deal with are sort of medium to large size developers because they're at our market to stay safe where possible. Um, and what you find with a lot of them is that, look, they've, Number one, they've forward sold a lot. Okay, so, you know, yeah. selling through the off-plan stages. So they've pretty much got completions that will carry on happening from sales that have happened over the last three, four, five years will keep happening through the next couple of years. So that will sort of help them ride out the quiet downturn period. Things moving along. The second thing that's coming into play is the international market, guys. Um, because and it's sort of quite similar to what happened back in 2009, whilst, you know, I, I fully understand in the, in the UK, there might be the, the uncertainties maybe holding people back from taking that step and, and, and buying property, whether it's for investment or moving home, whatever it is. But the opportunity for the international clients will sort of emerges where, you know, for some of the pound sterling dropping off is almost like a 15, 20% discount to buy in UK, you know, so, because of the UK is, is a global market, 
you know, and not just London, even the major cities like Manchester, um, yep. Liverpool now, you know, all these cities, you know, people in the want to buy there. So the sales for the developers, as much as they might not be as high as they are during, you know, times of certainty, they're still slowly tripping yeah. through. So two things. One, you've got um, forward selling, so they're just moving along. Number two, they've got international sales because there's certainly an opportunity for internationals like there yeah. was back in 2008. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting actually because there's there's another sort of thing there where um uh you know if you look at the is it this one? Yes, yeah, this one here. So you've got Persimmon who basically are a developer. They're saying that their sales um there's a fall off, you know, as obviously the market dips. So these are actual, you know, the cancellation rate has risen sharply. And I think that's the other thing too is is right now they haven't start well they've started to see it but they haven't really had it. They've been making good sales. There's been good demand. But as that slows down, but the, my question for all this too is that, and I'll get, to get your thoughts on this, is um, how much of that slowdown of those cancellations is due to recession, interest rate rises and things like that, war in Ukraine, um, you know, that sort of stuff. And how much is actually due to the fact that we're now going into winter. People don't want to put three levels of coats on and there's snow boots and walk out and go and look at 10 properties and things like that, which happens every year. You know, and we see this same time, this time every year. And then we see in March, you know, it all starts to pick up again. April, you know, by April, it should be, you know, when we get the beautiful days, you know, it'll all pick up again. Um, I don't think it'll pick up as much. I think it will slow down and it will probably stay slow next year as we go through. And, and we shed some jobs. We've seen a lot of the tech jobs being shedded, um, you know, and, you know, footies, you know, has dropped. All those sort of, in fact, all of the, uh, you know, indices have dropped. Um, and, you know, and that there's not the availability of, and especially for like London, when you don't have the seed capital coming into a lot of these startups and these sort of companies, that's going to affect how many people they can hire, how many people they can leave on. They have to get, you know, let go and then they have to find other jobs. And that process takes about two years, you know. Um, but yeah. What's um? I guess are you guys? Are we noticing that cancellation of sales. I think you said to me today, or was it yesterday? You said how you noticed that the availability of some of the developers, some of those plots started coming back on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I've sort of recently seen over the last sort of week or so where <clears throat> you know certain units which were sold of master price lists, which I have access to, seems to be coming back with a yeah. sort of WhatsApp from the developer saying, you know, let me know if you've got a client who would be interested in this, really good unit, happy to sell it at that price that we originally locked it in for, um, which is opportunity. Of course, yeah. it's opportunity. So there is a bit of that. But, but at the same time, you know, I, I can talk also from the sales that we're making as a business that are a couple of sales here and there, you know, which are, all at all. We're not having, we're not in a situation where we've got, you know, all of a sudden 20 clients who've invested in the development who have all sort of changed their mind. I mean, you know, one of the projects we've done in Birmingham, for example, if you remember, we bought it so early, that exchange, they, they, they reserved in a totally different environment, effectively yeah, in May, yeah, yeah. because of the, uh, the early entry point, by the time the contracts and everything was ready for exchange, just a week ago or two weeks ago, this yeah, 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 exchange. Yeah. Not long, that's uh, right. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie, I was sitting there thinking, hmm, <laughs> the market is sort of in a bit of a period of uncertainty, so 
these 20 sales that happened in the space of a week, because that's the sort of project it was, I'm going to get nervous, I'm going to fall out, because let's be honest, that, that can happen, it's natural for that to happen. But each and every one of them stayed in it, and, yep. and exchange showed, you know... But I mean, they did, they did buy in at the base, and even the developer said that they wish they had to put, launch to higher <laughs> prices. So, you know, they were sort of quids in already. In fact, I think they were about 20, 30, 40 grand in already, yeah, I believe. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I mean, that was, that was a nice little project. We won't say what it was, but, um, yeah, it, it, was, <laughs> it was good. But I think the other thing with that, uh, part of the reason we're insulated a little bit from this is the type of clients we deal with um, are the type of clients, they've got money, they're, you know, they're out to build a portfolio, they've got busy good careers, earning good income. And I think by by focusing on that side of the market, because we used to we used to focus on the broad based market years ago. This is going back to, you know, two thousands and twos, threes, fours, five, sixes. Um, and I think the problem was when we hit the recession, a lot of clients suffered through that because they lost their jobs and things like that. A lot of our clients now, that's not our client base now and it's not the type of property we're going after where developers, you know, regularly go bust and things like that. Um, you know, so I think it's it's a slightly different. I mean, look, developers do go bust, and, and you know, now is the time when a lot of them are going bust because prices have gone up so much. Contractors are failing; they're not paying them. There's a whole range of things, and that's a whole backstory where you know I've got quite a few guys that I'm speaking to in the business, and I'm sure you guys do too, who have developers and contractors that have gone bust. They've just you know gone to liquidation, um, and unfortunately, that's happening more. We've seen the repossession rate. Um, in fact, the repossession rates going up. I ha- don't have the latest data on there, but you know that's the sort of which. When you look at this, this is May 22, so this is the earliest. This is actually on the government website right now. The latest stuff, but you can see in May, seven in Eastern Midlands, four. Like that's not a lot. Ninety-five properties are repossessed. Yeah. Um, across the UK in May. We'll see when the new data comes out, which I believe is due out pretty soon, to see where that gets to, you know. It is increasing, definitely increasing. But, you know, 95, that's not a lot in a month, you know. So, uh, and I think hopefully we had the mortgage market review, which meant people couldn't borrow as much. They couldn't borrow the higher land of values. They had to have the affordability and so that should insulate us quite a bit from that. Um, but yeah, the actually one of the other topics I was going to talk about, which actually this is quite a good one um, as well, which is that really, and I'll just make sure, yeah, fixed rates are falling, which I guess when we sort of think about it, you sort of think, hold on a sec, no, rates are going up. Well, no, actually, um, you know, what they're saying is that, you know, the, the average two-year fixed mortgage rate is 6.28. Yes, there's money facts. But all the major banks have reduced their things because the guild, the guilt yields have fallen back down, you know, which is, that's an important thing to look at. But I think, what what effect do we, do you think that has on the, on the market and the confidence and that sort of thing? The interest, the interest rates, um, what the fixed product rates coming down. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, with property, when you've got liquidity in terms of the ability to borrow and the cost of borrowing will 
always have a direct impact on the market because that's what enables people to yeah. buy, prices to go up, and all that. So I think it, it's, it's kind of early to say, but it's a good sign that after the, the Liz Trust S, which said everything crazy, some calm and you know some perspective has come back into the market as you know there's a little bit more confidence coming back. So hence those those rates are going that way. I mean, look, I had a conversation um, with one of our our sort of experienced mortgage brokers that, you know, knows that industry inside out, been around for a very long time, deals with all our tricky cases, not just the bog standard stuff. Um, and he, he, look, rates have come down, um, yes, and the expectation is, he goes, that, that next year, by the middle of next year, they should start stabilizing more and more. But also, in conversation with um, underwriters and, and, and that world, he said, they are fully aware of how the rate increase is you know, affecting buy-to-let investors and, and they are actually in talks right now and working on, on ways to do, bring new products to the market which keeps that industry moving and keeps buy-to-let going because buy-to-let mortgages are, are a big part, you know, big part of a bank's um, books of making money. It's as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. yeah it's interesting because... I always say it like this is that, you know, if you imagine this is, this is the, you know, zero, this is base rate, and then there's a margin for the banks. And what's actually happened is, is the rates went back down, you know, here, and the margins actually stayed quite, you know, large for the banks. So, you know, the banks actually were on base rate trackers, a lot of them. So what happened was when the base rate went down, their margin was fixed. And so actually it meant they were getting less money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what actually happened now is they've, they've now put it against standard variables, which meant they were able to charge more. As the base rate has gone up, that margin has stayed there. The problem is, if that gets too expensive where people can't afford it, then what they have to do is they've got to go, you know what, the only way we're going to sell more mortgages effectively is by dropping that margin. And I think what we're starting to see now is the base rate is taking up this. The margin's going to start getting squeezed. And as the margin gets squeezed, that will keep people buying, keep the turnover of funds. Because let's face it, as a lender, the only way you're making money is by turning funds over, by actually your loan book and the size of your loan book, you know, and, and creating new loans. Um, so that's what we're seeing now. I think we're going to start to see some of that, you know, above that 6% mark, that starts to get a bit where people can't afford it, you know. Um, and, you know, if you look at my book, The 3 Plus 1 Plan, you know, we talk about mortgage cost averaging at 6%. And the interesting thing is with the 6% is, you know, for, for ages, heaps of people saying, oh, well, that no longer applies anymore. You might as well throw that out, that concept. And I'm like, no, that actually is a principle. It doesn't really change. And, and the interesting thing is now, yes, we had a, an extended period where interest rates are very low and it was a great environment from that perspective. But now I think we're returning back to normality and what the market used to be where interest rates could go above 6%. And they could go below 6% at different phases of the market. But the mortgage cost average over the duration is about 6%, you know. So it's just that we've forgotten. And, you know, we're very good at forgetting these sort of things, you know. So I think that's one of the keys is, you know, we've got to just go back to the basics, back to the principles that, you know, I wrote about in the 3 plus 1 plan and then, I, and then we, we all speak about, you know. Because if we do that, and we look at the two-year cash flow, and if we have to put money aside on top of, you know, like I think if you're in places like London, years ago when we used to sell London properties, 
you would be selling it and you would have to say, if you want to get a high loan to value, an 85% and 90% uh, mortgage, you're going to need to put, in some cases, it was £300 a month aside to fund that property, the shortfall on the property. Because at, when you do mortgage cost averaging, that's what you're going to have to do. Now, some of this period, obviously, it would come down below that, but that's what you'd do. Um, and I think people have forgotten that that used to be the market we lived in for many, many years, you know, and perhaps we're going back there. Perhaps we're not. Perhaps we've got so much other debt and so much other stuff going on that actually we can't afford to have those higher interest rate mortgages. And if they do go too high, you know, then things will really start to taper off, repossessions and then people losing their jobs and all that sort of stuff. Then we start to get into deflationary, depression-y type comments, you know, which, you know, there's plenty of people talking about that now. I'm just not sure if we're, that's where we're at. We'll see, I guess. You know, so yeah. Um, but as mentioned that last week, yeah, yeah I mean, like, like we mentioned last week, right as well. You know, <coughs> with rising inflation, um, rents go up as well, right? And we've seen mm. that. I mean, Chris, that you work obviously in Easy Track and you're doing renewals and stuff, and I'm guessing you've obviously seen rents go up by twenty, thirty percent on last year. Yep. Right. Yep. So that's obviously going to affect cash flows as well. And look, we always talk about buffers, and we've been talking about buffers forever, as you said. Look, we talk about putting six percent in for your for your interest rates and stuff like that. But that's all about making sure that you're cash flowing yourself properly. And again, I'm telling my clients now when I'm speaking to them, you know, putting buffers with um, with regards to your interest rates, and let's just work on worst case, 100, 150 pounds negative cash flow. So what does that mean? Let's set that aside for the next two years so then you're able to cash flow yourself properly over the next two years. But let's also yeah. look at, you know, um, your loan to value. Look, we're working on 75% loan to value, but let's, worst case, let's work on 70%. Let's work on 65%. So you, as an investor, before you go in, you know how much money you're going to need as a worst case. Because as with any investment, there is a risk. But our job and, you know, as an investor's job is to make sure they're able to mitigate that risk yeah. and putting in those structures, putting in those systems. And that's what we help them do. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. The, um, is the street, are you guys looking fuzzy? On your thing? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, on my thing, you look I thought it was the, uh, Yeah, anyway. I, well, I don't know. Sure. It might be the street. younger. Anyway. I was just going to say, so we're going to comment here. Um, let me put the comments up here, which actually they've gone a little bit, they're a little bit haywire now. I need to make them a bit smaller. Um, so, yeah, that looks better. Yeah, cool. Okay. So, just a comment. So, the counterparty risk to banks is higher now, so that actually adjusts to make their margins higher to reflect the outlook, which I agree that's, that, that would be in the perfect scenario. Banks would love to do that. But if that's going to cut their demand for their product and the competitiveness, that's not going to happen, you know. So... I, you know, I, I get it, but it, it's it's a bit counterintuitive. Where actually, as the rate goes up, you can't afford to increase. As the risk goes up, you can't afford to increase the rate that much. You may be able to do it some, but at the end of the day, that's where you've got you know the actuaries sitting there going, well, actually, if we raise this much and we make this much margin, we need to do this. Um, and I think that's where when you start looking at that sort of things, um, yeah, I don't think we can go. You know, banks can't say, well, actually. I've got a 3% margin now and I'm going to make that a 4% margin because my risk is higher. Um, I don't think that they can't do that because all of a sudden, if you're out of step with the market, then you stop doing business. Now, actually, some companies will do that because, for instance, they've filled their loan book and maybe they haven't got more fresh money coming in. 
you know, so they're actually just trying to lend it out at a higher rate because if somebody will take it, great. Um, but generally what we find is as that, as that rate gets pushed up, then the margin will come down and, you know, and I'm not talking, you know, down to millimetres, but, you know, it'll, it'll start to come down, it'll start to sort of, you know, sit around that 6% mortgage cost average. It'll go higher above that, but then it'll also come down below that, you know, so yeah. Um, any other thoughts on house prices? I was just going to say, so I've got one more article here, which is, which, it's, it's an interesting thing, and this is what I find. So this is the article here. Now, this is what I want to show you. So it's 10 regions where house prices are set to fall the most. House prices are set to fall the most. See list in full. Okay, great. Right. So we're expecting this is the future because it says set to fall the most. But then if we have a look down here, that I've highlighted, data from house seller advice shows demand fell, in other words, has already fallen 15.4% in I don't even know how to pronounce that, but anyway, yeah. You know, so we've got that. So you're like, hold on a sec. Are they going to fall or have they already fallen? Well, let's go down a bit further and see what these 10 places are. And here they are. And 10 regions where the biggest falls in property prices over the past year. And you kind of like, hold on a sec. So on the one hand, in land registry, east of England, we're there. And this is it. So... It's just, you've you got to be really careful with stuff like this, what you read and whether it actually, you know, what it's actually telling you. Who's saying it and what are they actually saying, you know, I think. And, and that's where I find so many people, they don't actually read where these things are from. They just read the headline and that's it. And that's where I find a lot of problems come because of that, you know. So, yeah. Um, what else have we got here? It's like a car. Yeah, I can't remember the actual name. This um, was it Money Week? It's a specific magazine. Yeah, Money Week. That always, and it was all about it was all about it was driven towards the equities market. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of it was to get people investing in the equities market. So every single week, the headline would pretty much be negative, negative yes, property, negative market. So, <laughs> like you said, it depends on what you read and, and what their motivation. Is you know if, they, if it's someone throw this then we're going to pull that down. But what I love about the UK market is you know we're, we're not in, we're not a new market. You know there's so much data, Sorry, so historical and trends. That yeah. yeah. So so much historical data, so many trends that you can actually look at that data and look at that data through different parts that include recessions in there, low interest rate, high interest rate. So, you know, put all, all the scenarios in there and then you can see, you know, you zoom out and you can see how the market, the property market performs through all those scenarios. Now, I'm not saying that history, just because something has gone a certain way historically, there's any, there's a 100% guarantee that the future would, would also go that way. But it would give you a pretty good idea of the way things are going to go. So, me, you know, with that UK market, especially in times like this, yeah, it's really important to forget the, the headlines, uh, you know, and just go to go the data, zoom out a little bit, look at the historical trends, and then make your decision on what you think is going to happen. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I guess you know, house prices. I mean, it's one of these things where who knows what the hell is going to happen with it. You know, it's um, it, you know, it's an interesting thing. Is I I was looking at this um this article here which basically 
this is this is off the this is land registry data um, from gov.uk. So you see average price of um, hold on, let's not do the type of oh yeah, we can do type of property, but so this is all types of property. You can see we've been growing. We had a bit of a stint here, you know. But the reality is that's been the trend since 2004. You know, we had a dip here, but pretty much we've had growth over there. If we come over here, and that's the yearly percentage of change. So we've really only had drops in house prices here and here, okay? And the good thing is we can do it by, you know, flats and houses and see. But one of the things about most of this data is you've noticed it doesn't really matter. The house, you know, the percentage drops aren't that much difference, you know, depending on what you look at, you know. So that's, that's the other thing. The other thing is here... You know, by status, first-time buyers, owner-occupiers. You know, it, even though the price they're buying at changes, actually the trend doesn't really change. And you know, if you look at all the stats, you know, if you look at new build versus off-plan, uh, sorry, new build versus existing. One of the interesting things is, you know, obviously new build on this chart, it's actually done really well since you know January or since 2020. You know, through COVID and after COVID. Part of that, I think, is, you know, it's a, it's a cycle. So second-hand properties do really well. And then what happens is it tends to be um, second-hand properties do really well and then new build properties do really well. And that also depends on the areas too. But certainly there's been a lot of money. There's, you know, you've got build-to-rent. You've got developers really building a lot of property. Um, I think that the real issue is this, they're not building enough property and they still aren't building enough property. You know, plus you add government stuff-ups, knee-jerk reactions, stupid decisions that the industry tells them this is going to be the outcome, they ignore it, and then it's the outcome. And that's one of the reasons why rents have gone up, prices have gone up. You know, if you want to fix that, you've got to build more properties. But, of course, I've been in the UK marketplace since 2002 when the Barker report came out, I think it was in 2004, talking about how we needed 120,000 or I can't remember how many more, so many years ago. And they've never really done that. They've never really exceeded. It was like, why did you spend all this money on the Barker Report? Um, and then not back it up. But I just don't think the government's really, uh, you know, motivated to do much about that and solve it. Maybe they are now. Hopefully they are now. But we're not really seeing that, you know, uh, that much. But yeah. Um, what else is there? So let, let's let's have a look at some of the letting stuff that we've got. Because I think going along with that, we talked about you know the new build prices that are actually coming up faster than, than the established stuff. But um, one of the reasons is... Now, look, this article is about people are ignorant about EPC ratings. And to a large degree, they are. If you ask most people what an A versus a G versus a C versus a D are, they're not going to be able to tell you. But the one thing that is changing, which is the story you're telling me, is that lenders are now starting to offer better deals for better rated properties. So that's actually playing straight into our hands. As, you know, we, our, our forte is new build and off-plan stuff um, with you know, high ratings, you know, so, which is great. But, yeah, so it was, uh, what are some of the examples of that? What, what are they doing? So, yeah, it was just... A, I actually came across that because a, a friend of mine who's a, always looking at business opportunities said... You know, as I work in property, they said to me, Rich, surely this is a, a really good opportunity for a business where, you know, if energy efficiency ratings are going to become that much of a big deal, 
then they, you know, they're going to affect prices where properties which are energy efficient are going to be in more demand. Banks are going to lend more money on them. And that's the Barclays are one of the banks, for example, who, uh, if you buy a, a new build property or, you know, something which is newly being done to the energy efficiency ratings are at the high end, then they will lend, um, ultimately to versus if you're going to do something which isn't. And there was, um, also another article, um, another lender, which I can't remember at the top of my head, talking about also they will give better interest rates. I think it might be NatWest. Um, but don't quote me on that. Um, but yeah, Half NatWest. Or, either way, it's not, forget whether it was Back Barclays, NatWest, whoever it was. Yeah, yeah. It's actually theory that, that the way that the trend as, as that grows, because these mainstream banks start, started, but that will start filtering down. And as a country, as a world, everybody's, mm becoming more and more aware, more incentives out there, to, you know, environmentally friendly and, and all these things, and energy efficiency is part of that. So if we're, you know, jumping onto a trend like that, you know, it, it is a smart move, in my opinion, because, you know, what you'll find then is that it, as it becomes the norm, more and more people will want to buy new property, or properties which are not really new, but they've been done up, so all the energy ratings and efficiency ratings are very high, because ultimately yeah. that affects values and obviously from the rental side yeah yeah that's it and especially with the epc ratings to letter properties going up higher so you're going to need a higher spec you know you're going to need a, a grade c of 2025 um in order to be able to rent out property let out your properties yeah. so if it, at this point you know all the energy proficiency is there it's going to be great for for investors on new build properties. And, and we're already seeing some of the pro I mean, we actually, I think we only have one property that's under a, I think it's under a C or a D. It's, there's very few properties we have because obviously we sell new build off plan and we have, even though some of those new build off plans, I was just saying the other day, my, the first property I bought was 19 years ago, you know, so it was new build back then, but you know, I don't know how long I can claim it new being new build, but, and that's, that's a lot of our, a lot of our investors. I mean, amazingly, they're now coming to us saying, so Brett, um, I'm retiring or I'm retired and now I'm thinking about, you know, my three plus one plan. I've got my 10 properties. Shall I sell off half? You know, what should I do? You know, cause we've been going that long. You know, it's, it's almost ridiculous. I mean, I can't believe it. This sort of stuff on the side here. I don't know what happened there, but yeah. Uh, when I joined this business, when I started this business, that certainly wasn't there, you know, but, um, but I think the, the amazing thing is with the, the, the EPC side is, most people have no idea and really as much as we have to serve it to them as part of the, you know, initial documents and all that sort of stuff, nobody really looks at it. Nobody really understands it. And that's what that article is about, just saying it's actually a failed marketing thing. And it's a bit like carbon credits. You know, if you walk up to the, the average person in the street and say, hey, how are carbon credits saving the earth? And they'll be like, well, you know, really, it'll be all gibberish and who knows. And, you know, clearly... Somebody's making some money out of it, you know. Has it really made the efficiency better? I don't think so. Will it? I don't know. I think the government, if they're going to do it, need to actually put some serious education and, and reasoning behind it. What, I mean, have you got any thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, see, I think people are going to be more, they're going to educate themselves on it more yep. and more, especially now because of the cost of uh, living crisis going up. People are going to be looking at utility costs, and I think they are going to be looking at the EPC certificate on the property that they are renting or looking to rent 
because yeah. the higher it is, the cheaper in running costs it's you know it should be for them. So um, yeah, definitely, yeah. I think that that tenants will become more and more savvy and educate themselves, and that instead of like you say, just looking at it and not acknowledging it or understanding, I think they are very much going to be looking on that now. Yeah, uh, it's it's type of property they're renting, and for investors that are looking to invest, you know. The, I think that they'll also be looking at that from uh, from a developer's point of view, mm. uh, because that's going to be part of the unique, you know, unique selling point of renting out their flat is that yeah. they're going to be the highest, you know, energy rating that they can be yeah. uh, to help the tenants save as much money as they can. The, I mean, the interesting thing is, is how they can do that. They're already, if you, you know, they're already talking about how they haven't got enough housing stock. You know, they're not building enough. And now they're going to say, well, anything below C, we're going to take out of the marketplace entirely. I, you know, I mean, I, I love, I love the concept. Um, but I just think politically it's a good conversation to have. I just think it hasn't really, I mean, look, if they put some, if lenders put some real money behind it and say, we're going to lend, you know, higher loan to values, um, which obviously higher loan to values are more risky for them, but actually it doesn't cost them anymore. If anything, it makes them more money. Um, but cheaper interest rates, that's really putting your money where your mouth is now because now actually you can go, well, actually, if I can get 0.2, 0.5, something off my interest rate, you know, now people are really going to stand up, you know. But I don't think the government's really made the, you know, they've said you've got to spend, you've got to increase it, but only if it's up to £10,000, I think it is, or £5,000, um, you know, but yeah. So with that as well, do you think that the... The number of first-time buyers will increase as well if properties are starting to fall below the minimum rating. I mean, I, I don't know the, the details if sales, if EPCs have to be a certain category for a sale, you know, on existing builds, you know, existing properties. Um, well, I mean, one of the one of the good things about being in new bottom off plan is whenever a government wants to stimulate the economy and get things out of a recession, the best way to do that is to stimulate new build. Yeah. So a new build by its very nature is going to be the EPC rating is going to be higher because you've got the, you know, a lot of people sit there and say, oh, new build, they don't make them like they used to. You know, I'd much rather an old period property. And I'm like, screw that, you know, because when you talk of, you know, I mean, okay, it's got character. You know what? Some of the stuff that I think, the new stuff has got character too, you know, and, and I guess it's the, you know, old timer versus young kid. You know, my kids think I'm old now, um, you know, and I think there may be some of that. But to be fair, I'd much rather a new build property than a period property, you know. Maybe that's just because I'm biased because that's what, you know, the, the business sells. But to be fair, no, I'd much rather that. I hate the creaky floors. I hate all that sort of stuff because all that just adds up to, yeah. And, I mean, now it's going to add up to more cost. With the utilities, it's you know potentially I get a lower interest rate, so yeah, makes sense. Yeah, um, we'll see, I guess. And you know, I think it's a failed marketing thing right now, but if they keep, you know, if they make some incentive behind it, I guess yeah, it could work quite well. You know, so yeah. Um, what about renters' reform bill? Because I, it's an interesting one. You know, now I, I put this out. I pulled this out mainly because. You know, Minister says rent reform will be introduced during this Parliament. All right. Oh, by the way, this is in October, a month ago, by Simon Clark, who no longer exists. 
Um, so, you know, and, and as has happened all the way along with this, this residence reform bill, is that it just seems to be getting kicked back into touch, kicked back into touch. Now, they keep talking about it, you know, and it hasn't gone off the table yet because you've got guys like Shelter and Generation Rent and, what is it, London Renters Union who are protesting in five different places outside of estate agents that are responsible for, you know, raising rents. You know, it's like, you know. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. What's your thoughts on that, Chris? Um, it's a it's a difficult one at the minute. I mean, the Section Twenty One is, in my in my opinion, very vital uh, for for the lettings industry um, because it's no fault eviction. That's that's what a yeah. Section Twenty One notice is. Yeah. Now we only live that really if a landlord is looking or needs to sell his property, yeah. or we'll accompany it when we serve a Section Eight notice. Uh, when it gets a bit serious. Um, if they're looking to abolish a Section 21, there needs to be a whole heap of things that need to be carried out first. Yeah. So looking, you know, even down the legal the legal system, you know, I'm, I'm attending court um, yeah. on Section 21s at the minute, and, you know, the the whole legal time and process is, is very drawn out. So that that all needs to be looked at streamlined um, if you're taking out the section 21 and a landlord does want to sell currently in a section 8 notice there's no there's no um, clause in there so effectively if we abolish the section 21 now without reforming the section 8 a landlord could never sell a property with a tenant in situ and, and, and one thing that, that pisses me yeah. right now is that in the in the rentals reform bill they talk about they're going to abolish section 21 to give tenants more security Okay. Now, okay, maybe other agencies are assholes, but I've never, you know, I've never seen one of our landlords call me up and say, Brett, I just feel like evicting them. They've always got a, a genuine reason. And if they take away those genuine, and they're not, they're not talking about taking away those generations. So they're saying that we need to adapt it. So if they sell, they can have that. So actually, whether it's called a section 21 or whatever they want to call it, I don't care as long as we've got the ability. My challenge is, they keep talking about the the stick side, which is take away the 21. They don't talk about what they're going to do to harden up and to make the process easier to evict tenants who refuse to pay, you know, who just take the piss, who damage stuff, who antisocial behaviour, who all these things that go on where we're powerless, you know. The courts don't really, you know, function. They're not functioning. The police don't care. You know, I mean, yeah, they'll go around and, you know, have words with them. But even then, when you try and get them to, you know, write a report that you could probably use against, you know, in a judge, no, they won't. You know, and then it's, it's just ridiculous for me. And, and they haven't addressed the issue yet. Um, you know, and that's what pisses me about the whole Section 21 removal is that my fear is they're going to remove it and then they're going to try and sort out the, the mess they leave for after that. And the mess is going to cost landlords even more again and drive more landlords out and therefore drive rents up higher, you know, because there's less properties available, you know, which has happened every single time. I mean, you think these guys, these, excuse the French, um, you know, idiots that run, you know, they're politicians, they would learn their lesson. But you know what? Their motivation is not that, I guess, you know. So their motivation is to get, get, uh, um, voted back in, 
you know, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like I say, the key one is that we will end up losing a lot of landlords if this Section 21 notice is abolished, yeah. in my opinion as well. Especially if um, they don't, um, especially if they don't replace it with something, you know? No. Yeah. Um, because again, it's then going tenant heavy, um, you know, tenants favour rather than the landlord's side. It's yeah. just not very even, which is, you know, the challenge that we're facing. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, it's such a pain in the ass right now because we spend so much time with rent arrears from tenants who just have chosen not to pay. It's not that they've got COVID, lost their jobs, anything like that. They're in a little bit of financial difficulty, spent too much out on the piss on Friday night and rent stew on Monday. Oh, so I won't pay it. I didn't pay it one month. Oh, you know what? Oh, I just won't pay it the next month. Oh, I'm going to be moved out anyway. So now I'm three months. Then we have to, you know, so two months we, you know, we send section eights and whatever else. Um, and then it's four months to six months before we actually get into court. And then they give them 14 days. And then they go, well, actually, they call up and say, well, we haven't got anywhere to live. And the council says, well, don't move out until the bailiff turns up. Then it's, you know, four weeks to get a bailiff, you know. And you're looking at a year. You're looking at 12 months, you know, yeah. for Section 8, which is serious when it is. Yeah, you know. And, and that's the frustrating thing that we see is we see genuine landlords providing good quality homes, doing everything right even going over and above because a lot of them, you know, rather than issuing a Section 8 after two months, which they should do and which I, you know, basically I plead for them to do, they leave it and give them chance after chance after chance, you know, and then they're six months in. You know, it could be 13, 14, 15, 20,000, you know, pounds that they're down. And do you think the tenants are going to pay that? I mean, unfortunately, we've now got debt collectors involved where we're just giving the debt off to a debt collector and saying, listen, there's the debt. Go, you know, you can go after it. Um, because it's just, you know, it's becoming too easy for tenants just to go, ah, you're not going to chase me, you know. Mm. So. I mean, the biggest thing for, for a landlord to do at the minute, and especially with the rent, you know, with the, everything going up in price just generally, is get insurance, you know. Yeah. You've got to talk about rent and legal insurance on your property. That is... That's a, a given. That should be, you know, the first thing you look at. Um, analogy I, I use with some of my landlords is you don't drive a car without car insurance. So why rent out a property without rent illegal insurance? Yeah. You know, all this is safe. You're safeguarding yourself with yeah. loss of rent and then your legal costs as well. Up until the point and, that you get that. Out. And you're talking for, you're talking, um, you know, 20 to 30 pounds a month. To pretty much cover yourself, you know. Um, yeah, you know. So Arsenal's just sent another good question. Here we go. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> a bit of a delay on my, my mouse button. They're setting the scene for red, with red tape for institutional landlords over there. Thank you. So, you know what? Uh, you're right. I, I've said this for a while. You know, build to rent is all about handing over the, what was the, you know, um, where mum and dads were getting their pensions from, they're now giving it over to the big institutional landlords and, and, you know, and pension funds and things like that. And that's what build to rent is about. You know, make the sex of tax changes. You know, everything is playing into institutional landlords taking over, running the market and having that control. You know, unfortunately, 
you know, um, what's the uh, World Economic Forum one? You will own nothing and be happy for it. And that's kind of where this is heading. And my take on that is you need to fight as hard as you can to keep buying property, build your portfolio, yeah, because it is cyclical, you know. And as much as now we seem to be taking, you know, hits every in the day, um, actually that will turn around. And when it turns around, because understand this recession that we're going to go into, um, no matter how long it is, whether it's a four-year Great Depression type, you know, drops and things like that, which interesting, you know, Great Depression, if you look at the stock market, dropped for four years, you know, so we had a four-year period. So if that's the worst that was, we're already one year into that. So we've got maximum three years, could be a year left. We've already started shedding jobs. A lot of the jobs that were shed were shed in the COVID times. So we're kind of in that period where um, the recession hit. When we come out of a recession, what happens to the property? Boom. Yeah. So after the recession hits the boom. So the people that want to sell now are kind of selling at the worst time possible. Really, you should be holding on as tight as you can. And, and obviously, if you can't afford it, or you can't afford the change, then fine. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to shed some off. But at the end of this will be property prices increasing. Rents, rents will continue to go up now. Then property prices will go up because obviously with rents going up, wages going up, what can happen now? Affordability gets better. And of course, house prices can go up. So that's the natural cycle of things. And we're just playing the natural cycle out like we do every other time. You know, have you guys got any thoughts on that? Ritesh, Shamansu? I think, I just think, yeah, with that, that's why getting inflation under control is, is, you know, really, really big deal. Obviously, the Fed, Bank of England, you know, it's almost like they're obsessed by it, you know, and, and people might think, well, why are they obsessed with that? You know, when there's so many other issues that, you know, that, that people need to deal with here and now, you know, yeah. in terms of all sorts of things. But, they, you know, it's the silent thief, isn't it? Inflation, you know. Yeah. So, because you can keep increasing wages and you can only do it by so much, <laughs> okay, before it's like, well, I can't afford to increase wages anymore. Yeah. Right? yeah. But inflation's always too high, then it doesn't matter. Because if you can, you increase wages to, to where you can and then get that inflation back down again, that's when that wage increase has an impact. Yeah, and that, and the, you're right, and the affordability is, is actually enhanced so that the property prices grow. Because actually, you're right, if inflation just keeps going up and wages keep going up, then there's actually no change. You know, apart from as an investor with debt, my mortgage drops. You know, my, my the real cost of all, the real value of the debt of my mortgage drops which is a good thing, you know. And that's why, you know, stay focused on building a portfolio and, and getting more debt. I know that sounds terrible, but actually, you know, the debt is the thing that inflates away and there's a huge benefit in that for you because as the property price increase, the debt against that, it might stay the same, but inflation is getting rid of that money for you, you know, which is good. Um, so just one other thing I was going to sort of uh, another article so this is a good thing, yeah? So we've been talking about this ages, which is basically, so this is uh, Felicity Bouchan, is it? I don't even know how to pronounce it. Um, so she's not considering rent controls. Now this, excuse my French dick, um, Sadiq Khan, Mayor of London, um, you know, he's been holding, you know, he, hold, he held a, um, 
a conference about rent in London and didn't invite any agents, any landlord bodies, nobody. He invited Generation Rent and all the, you know, those guys and basically, you know, it, it was almost like let's get a few mates around the table and come up best ways that we can actually try and force this, you know, out. But you know what? It's, it's proven that it doesn't work anywhere ever. All it does, the backlash is huge and then rents go up and renters lose, you know? So he's just, you know, it just has no idea. I don't know if, you know, yeah. Anyway, don't get me started on him. But any thoughts on that? The rent controls? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's not, it's not happening. <laughs> Do you know? Um, yeah, sorry. It's, it's, yeah, no, it's just because, again, for the landlords themselves, investors, costs are going up. So if you're going to cap a rent at a certain, a certain point, it's, it's going to become, you know, a non-business, you yeah. know, sensitive thing to do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm completely for non, non-rent, you know, non-rent controls. Yeah. It's, it just, it does not make any sense. Do you know, it's interesting. So I've been doing some renewals the last few weeks. Um, I've been jumping in to help out with the renewals because what we try to do is bring all of our renewals forward that we need to do in November because we didn't want to do renewals in November because if we do them in November and they hand their notice in, then you end up having Christmas without a tenant. So we're trying to avoid that. So we'll pick them back up the first week of December, which means we're then first week in January if they give notice. And, um, but But it's interesting because... Dealing with that, uh, the, the great thing about the renewals process is you have the landlord on one side who wants to get the maximum rent and you have the tenant who wants to get the lowest rent and you've sort of got to try and find the happy balance. And there's, you know, ways and means that we do that. But it's interesting. One thing I love about our landlords, you know, is that not one of our landlords has said, screw it, get rid of the tenant, I don't want the tenant. Every single landlord without fail that I've spoken to has said, you know, I've said to them, look, we can get this, you know, we can effectively get this as the rent. Um, this is the rent that we can increase on this. So there's, you know, there's, there might be a hundred pounds difference or whatever, 50 pounds difference or something like that. Um, but in every case, the landlord said, no, I'd rather keep the tenant than lose them. You know, yeah. which, uh, and for me, that's, you know, that's a testament to how we, you know, I guess how we train our, our landlords, but also, you know, the type of people that we attract. But the stupid thing is, I don't think that's us. I think that is most landlords are of the same because most people, you know, they're decent people. Now, yes, there's the extremes. And I think the problem is with the generation rents and all these guys is that they deal in extremes and they think that every landlord is an asshole who just wants to drive rents up and get the maximum rent. Now, you know, the problem is for a lot of landlords right now, which is, and actually all credit to a lot of our Tenants as well, because when I chat to them, they're like, look, I understand that the tenants, the, the landlord's mortgage will have gone up, you know, so they're understanding. So actually both sides are understanding. I think a lot of the media is hyping this stuff up and it doesn't necessarily need to be like that, you know. But amazing how many tenants will say, hey, I can afford to pay this much of an increase, you know, but that's all I can afford. And then I'll go to the landlord, they'll go, fine. Let's do that. Yeah. The, I, I've not had a single case where they've gone, nah, screw it, chuck them out, not interested. You know, I want 300 pounds extra and they're only offering 150 or whatever it is. You know? Um, yeah. 
and actually some of the areas rents have gone up dramatically and you know still to this day as much as people say things are slowing down we put a property on the market you know we get multiple viewings and multiple offers normally um you know some of the areas you know we're you know a bit more crappy areas but yeah um yeah cool what else do we need to chat about Are we done? I think, um, yeah, I think that's, I've got, there's nothing else I need to. Is there any more questions from the guys listening? We still got anyone on board? I can't see how many people we've got, unfortunately. Uh, But yeah, and actually, I don't know, because we're actually streaming across to 13 different social media channels and things like that. So, but um, yeah, but anyway, we're here every week, 12.30 Wednesday, um, and yeah, by all means, uh, join us, ask your questions, send us questions, we're happy to answer them, jump on, send us notes on social, comments on social media, and we're happy to come back and answer them. Um, but any other, anything else from you guys? No, I, I just, before we leave, just like to sort of uh, uh, tell everyone to make a note, look, over the coming days, weeks, months, we're in that sort of period where, you know, I call it turbulence. You know, there's going to be like headlines coming out saying everything coming to an end or, you know, all these sort of things that they're going to be there. But I think it's very important as if you're, if you're an existing investor or someone who's thinking of investing or whatever is to just put a bit of perspective into things and and always look sort of long term, especially, I say long term with all investments, but especially property. You know, you've got to look medium to long term because you know, we always say if you hold property for seven, ten, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years time, you know, most people will agree that it will be worth a lot more more money than it is today. And, and the reality is, when you talk about ten, fifteen years, regardless of whether you buy that property, when you do buy it, if it's a recession or you know, economically really good times or high interest rates, low interest rates, whatever it is, when you buy property and hold it for that long, you will feel all of those periods. Okay, yeah. it's just. A, it's of where does it come in? But you just got to set yourself up from the beginning, expecting all these things to happen and hold through it. Then it will pretty much become irrelevant because what you don't want to do is sit there trying to catch the bottom of the market because you never will. Well, you might if you get lucky, but it won't be. It won't be that worse. So strategic, you just got lucky. But but you're exactly right. I never, you know, I look at that property that I've had 19 years. I when I bought that. I, you, there's no way I was thinking about owning that in 2022 or 2023, you know. It, it just wasn't, you know. It was, it was so long ago, so ridiculously long ago. Um, but the reality is I've held it through two recessions, high interest rate, low interest rates, everything. I've held it through the whole lot. I've held it through leaks. I've held it through um, having to repaint the bathroom, um, repaint the whole house again. I've even had to, it turns out that I bought the wrong property. Well, no, the land registry stuffed up. They, uh, no, the developer put the plans upside down and they registered the wrong one. So I, you know, I've had to go change that. So I own the property that I own, you know, um, but yeah, you know, there's, I, I've, you would never have thought, but that's the amazing thing about a lot of our clients is that, They're probably in the same boat. You know, they bought properties, you know, some of them now, 18 years ago, you know, 2004, um, you know, onwards, and they still own those properties now, which is just incredible, you know. So you will own them through 
thick and thin, up and down, high interest rates, low interest rates, recession, non-recession. And sure, we all like to buy a property and see it grow massively, you know, in the three months after we bought it. But (laughs) yeah, that's not reality in most cases, you know. So yeah. No, cool, guys. All right. Any final thoughts? No? Okay. Well, guys, thanks very much, and we'll see you again next week. Any questions? Come through. Uh, you can just send an email to webinars at, um, at gladfish.com. Um, or actually, in fact, we can start using support at gladfish.com, um, which is no problems. But, yeah. All right, guys. Thank you very much, and we'll see you again next week. See you later. Cool. See you later. Yeah. Bye. Bye.